Welcome to the Council of Institutional Investors podcast on corporate governance and financial regulation. I'm Jeff Mahoney, the General Counsel of CII. The purpose of these monthly episodes is to update CII members and the general public on developments in corporate governance and related CII advocacy activities in connection with the administration's initiative to reform the U.S. financial regulatory system. This update covers the period from November 28th to January 3rd, 2020. So let's get started with the U.S. Congress. On December 2nd, CI sent a letter to Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi of California and Republican leader Kevin McCarthy, also of California, expressing general support for the Insider Trading Prohibition Act, H.R. 2534. That bill was passed by the House of Representatives on December 5th in a 410-13 vote. H.R. 2534 would establish a clearer definition of illegal insider trading under the federal securities laws so that there is a codified consistent standard for courts and participants in financial markets. Under the bill, a person trading while in possession of insider information would no longer be required to know how the trading information was obtained or whether any personal benefit was paid or promised. Instead, the bill sets a lower standard requiring that the person was aware consciously avoided being aware, or recklessly disregarded that such information was wrongfully obtained or communicated. CI believes that this change is appropriate because insider trading prosecution should be obtained even if the trader did not pay for the tip or lacked specific awareness of how the information was obtained. On December 10th, the United States Senate Banking Committee held a hearing on oversight of the Securities and Exchange Commission, which SEC Chairman Jay Clayton was the sole witness. Several members of the committee chastised Chairman Clayton for citing trumped-up public comment letters as support for proposed changes to proxy advisor rules. Chairman Clayton twice emphasized to committee members that the commission is, quote, very open to discussion about how to ensure better accuracy in proxy advisors' reports. He stated, quote, if people think that what we are proposing is too onerous and we can get to improved accuracy in another way, I'm open, unquote. Now, Chairman Clayton said the SEC's proposed rules on proxy advisors are intended to ensure that anti-fraud rules apply to advisors' reports, conflicts of interest are disclosed, and the accuracy and completeness of information provided to investors is improved. Senator Michael Crapo, Senator Mike Crapo, the, uh, Senator Mike Crapo of Idaho, the chairman of the committee, encouraged Chairman Clayton to move forward expeditiously with the proposed rules on both proxy advisors and shareholder proposals. In response to a question from Chairman Crapo, Chairman Clayton said SEC staff is working on proxy plumbing and universal proxies, and he anticipates moving forward on both of those projects in the coming year. Senator Sherrod Brown of Ohio, the ranking member of the committee, blasted the SEC's proposals on proxy advisors and shareholder proposals, saying they, quote, make it more difficult for shareholders to hold corporate executives accountable, unquote. In Senator Brown's view, the proxy advisor proposal would hinder institutional investors' timely access to independent research and analysis and would give companies a new tool to intimidate proxy advisors and threaten their independence. Senator Brown also noted that although the SEC claims that changes in the rules are necessary because of inaccuracies in the proxy advisor's reports, the Commission has provided scant evidence of such errors. Senator Brown also criticized the proposed shareholder proposal rule for, quote, making it easier for companies to silence shareholders and to avoid dealing with important issues critical to investors, unquote. 
Using statistics from a CII staff study, Senator Jack Reed of Rhode Island noted that since 2016, the median number of days it has taken the SEC between proposing and adopting a rule is 413. He explained that some of the rules implemented in that average time period were innocuous. Therefore, he said, major complicated rules like those on proxy advisors and shareholder proposals should be subject to a more deliberative and careful analysis. Chairman Clayton indicated they agreed with Senator Reid's analysis and emphasized that the SEC is open to engagement on these proposed rules. would like to hear from a diverse group of commentators. Two senators reprimanded Chairman Clayton for citing, when proposing the proxy advisor rules, public comment letters that were exposed by Bloomberg News as false representations. Bloomberg News reported on November 19th on a fake letter campaign supporting SEC action to rein in proxy advisory firms. The article revealed that letters sent to the SEC by supposedly ordinary individual investors were in fact created by the 60-plus Association, an advocacy group funded by corporate supporters of tighter curbs on proxy advisors. Senator Tina Smith of Minnesota noted that when Chairman Clayton issued the rules, he said he was especially struck by these letters from, quote, Main Street investors, unquote. Senator Smith asked Chairman Clayton, if he still believes that the rules are a good idea now that he knows the letters were not actually from investors. Chairman Clayton responded to Senator Smith, saying that as soon as the SEC became aware that the letters were questionable, the Commission's General Counsel and Office of Inspector General launched an investigation and that they are still looking into what happened. Senator Chris Van Hollen of Maryland, the ranking member of the Securities, Insurance, and Investments Subcommittee, said Chairman Clayton was, quote, duped, unquote by the letters produced by dark money groups, which were funded by corporations that want to see the proxy advisor rules implemented. Senator Van Hollen said, quote, when you rolled this out, you created the impression that this is something that a lot of mainstream investors care about, and I don't believe that's true, unquote. He went on to say the rules actually are, quote, a top priority of a lot of corporate CEOs who don't want to be second-guessed by proxy advisors, unquote. Senator Van Hollen went on to urge Chairman Clayton to retract his statements to let the public know that the letters he used to make the case that this rule is for mainstream investors were orchestrated by a group that is funded by corporations that are pushing hard for the rule. Senator Van Hollen stated, quote, I hope you will make it very clear that you find that outrageous, unquote. Senators attending the hearing also raised other investor concerns. Senator Thomas Cotton from Arkansas questioned the SEC chair about whether the commission is investigating WeWork. WeWork was a high-profile dual-class stock company that recently imploded, canceling its IPO and leaving its founder a billionaire and 2,400 former employees jobless. Senator Cotton asked about the company giving CEO Adam Newman's wife and nephew positions called the chief brand and impact officer and head of wellness. While refusing to comment directly on WeWork, Chairman Clayton said, quote, transactions between the principals of companies, family members, and other interests are something where transparency is essential, unquote. Senator Cotton proceeded to ask Chairman Clayton about Mr. Newman sitting on the company's compensation committee, the CEO trademarking the word we, and then selling the trademark back to the company for $6 million, and finally, Mr. Newman being accused of transporting illegal drugs in a private jet across international boundaries. Chairman Clayton responded to Senator Cotton by stating, quote, our disclosure requirements around the background and character and activities of directors and officers of public companies require disclosure that would enable people to make those types of judgments, unquote. 
Senator Cotton gave SEC Chairman Jay Clayton credit for finding some issues when the company filed its prospectus with the SEC, but blamed Newman's unchecked reckless behavior on the company's stock structure. Senator Cotton stated, quote, he was able to extract that payout because the corporate governance structure gave him super voting stock that enabled him to hold his company hostage until the other investors paid him just to go away and stop destroying its value, unquote. Senator Brian Schatz of Hawaii queried Chairman Clayton on climate-related financial disclosure. Chairman Clayton said the commission is heavily engaged on this issue and is working with global groups on addressing the topic. Chairman Clayton also noted that the SEC is monitoring whether companies are following the commission's 2010 guidance on climate disclosure and is addressing the situation when they are not doing so. Moving back to the House of Representatives, on December 11th, the House Financial Services Committee passed a bill that would require public companies to disclose to the SEC if they have a cyber expert on their board. The Cybersecurity Disclosure Act of 2019, H.R. 1735, was introduced by Representative Jim Hines from Connecticut. The bill directs the SEC to issue rules requiring public companies to include in their annual reports or proxy statements whether any members of their boards have experience in cybersecurity. If none do, the bill would require the company to describe what steps their boards are taking to oversee cybersecurity. A companion bill, S-592, was introduced in the Senate last February by Jack Reed of Rhode Island, but was not moved. Following the introduction of S-592, CI sent a letter to the chair and ranking member of the Senate Banking Committee expressing general support for the goal of the bill, which is to promote transparency in the oversight of cybersecurity risks at publicly traded companies. The CI letter also emphasized that CI believes that cybersecurity is an integral component of a corporate board's role in risk oversight. On December 19th, House Financial Services Committee Chairwoman Maxine Waters of California released a report highlighting the panel's actions during the first session of the 116th Congress. The report included a reference to CI's support for H.R. 624, the Promoting Standards for Corporate Insiders Act. H.R. 624 would require the SEC to study and make improvements to Rule 10b-5-1 trading plans in response to CI's concerns about potential abuses of that rule. The bill was introduced in January by Chairwoman Waters and Ranking Member Patrick T. McHenry of North Carolina. And soon after introduced, the bill passed the House of Representatives by a vote of 413 to 3. On December 20th, it was reported in the press that Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York submitted Caroline Crenshaw's name to the White House as a nominee to fill the spot currently held by SEC Commissioner Robert Jackson, whose term expired on June 5th. Ms. Crenshaw is currently an attorney in Commissioner Jackson's office. She previously worked under Commissioner Kara Stein. Ms. Crenshaw also served as a judge advocate in the Army JAG Corps. If she's nominated by the president and approved by the Senate, the SEC would have a majority of female commissioners. Let's move now to recent activities of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. The SEC's controversial proposed rules on proxy advisors and shareholder proposals I referenced earlier was published on November 3rd in the Federal Register. That starts the clock ticking on the comment period for the proposals, which expires on Monday, February 3rd. On December 5th, CI sent a comment letter to the SEC supporting a proposal to rescind a provision that currently allows certain stock exchange market data fees to become effective when they are proposed. If adopted, 
The proposed rule would require the stock exchanges to follow standard procedures that require the SEC to publish the proposed amendment, provide an opportunity for public comment, and then vote to approve the proposal before changes in fees can become effective. CI described the proposal as a modest but important first step in creating more transparency of market data fees, which would benefit CI members and the capital markets generally. On December 31st, CI sent a letter to SEC General Counsel Robert Stebbins. The letter appeals for dispute resolution services, a Freedom of Information Act request for SEC staff research. The research sought is related to the SEC proposed rules on proxy advisors and more specifically a presentation in the SEC proposal of summary data on proxy advisor errors. CII initially asked for this information from SEC staff on November 7th, two days after the SEC announced the proposal. With lack of clarity on whether the information would be provided, CII submitted a formal FOIA request for the data on November 14th. Allegations of errors were an integral part of the SEC Commission proposing in November by a 3-2 split vote the new regulatory regime for proxy advisors. CI believes that many of the alleged errors are in fact cases of companies disagreeing with proxy advisors' methodologies and or judgment. Prior to the proposal's release, CII had written to the SEC, noting scant evidence to support allegations of pervasive errors in proxy advisory firm reports. Finally, in other recent corporate governance-related news, on December 17th, the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board published a concept release on potential revisions to its quality control standards in an effort to focus audit firms on improving their quality control systems. These systems assure audit firms that their personnel comply with professional standards for accounting and auditing practices and their firm's standards of quality. Registered audit firms are required to design and implement these systems. The PCOB release states that effective quality control systems are critical for consistent high-quality audits and other engagements under PCOB standards. PCOB's current quality control standards were developed and issued by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants before the PCOB was established in 2002. The PCOB release points out that the auditing environment has changed significantly since 2002, with more reliance on technology and a greater focus by many firms on governance and leadership, incentive systems for accountability, and monitoring and remediation. PCOB release states that the current PCOB quality control standards do not reflect these recent developments. The PCOB says it will base revisions to the standards on a proposed international integrated risk-based framework. The deadline for submitting comments on the PCOB release is March 16th. CI currently expects to provide a comment letter to the PCOB in response to the release. On December 19th, CII's 501c3 sister organization, the CII Research and Education Fund, published a report reviewing critical audit matters contained in the audit reports of public companies. The independent external auditors of large public companies with fiscal years ending after June 30th began publicly reporting the independent external auditors of large public companies fiscal years ending after June 30th, 2019, began public reporting on critical audit matters or so-called CAMs under new Public Company Accounting Oversight Board requirements. The CIA REF report surveys the 2019 audit reports of those companies and finds the reporting of CAMs disappointing in some respects. The report identifies six companies in which CAM reporting is better and more granular than many of its peers. 
But even the CAMs provided by the auditors of those companies provide little in the way of key observations on the particular matters discussed, an element the PCOB standard permits but does not require. CIREF report provides specific suggestions on how key observations of CAMs could be framed in the audit reports of Cardinal Health, CDK Global, Payne Celesto Group, Microsoft, Nutanix, and Procter & Gamble. That concludes my corporate governance and financial regulation update. If you have any questions regarding any of the issues discussed, please feel free to email me at jeff, J-E-F-F, at cii.org, or give me a call. My number is 202-822-0800. Till next time, I'm Jeff Mahoney. Thanks for listening, and Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, please visit our website at www.cii.org.